so um, I've been listening or looking at uh, online the Dinez Declassified podcast. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about a, a lot of shit that I didn't want to hear, but I've been hearing a lot about it. And yeah. that's my point. People who listen to us are probably over the age of 20-something at least. So you know what the Nesdi Classified School Survival Guide show was mm-hmm. on Nickelodeon, if you don't look it up. But these three guys who play Cookie, and I forget, Lindsey Shaw and Ned himself, yeah. made this sh- podcast show because they basically couldn't get a TV show reboot. And they're going with the a, a a iCarly thing. yeah, Right. Um, so they're kind of mad that iCarly got a show, but they didn't. But I'm slowly starting to kind of see why. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> because like this podcast is just debaucherous to me. It's so debaucherous. And it's not to the point. It's even to the point. I know that people are going to probably say people who know me are going to be like, oh, it's just like the Christian side of you talking. No. I think everybody, regardless of which fence you're on, kind of listen to this and they go, you know what? That could have stayed in the box, man. Like, I don't need to hear yeah, about no, how literally. what you guys are doing. God, they were going in the same direction, but it's one thing I heard in particular. I was like, yeah, no, this podcast is starting to get a little bit musty. Like, and it's starting, it's starting to, to stink get, in here. Yeah. And I, I, I used to have a crush on that main girl. Mm-hmm. I think I forget her name in the show. I think it's something with an M. I, I feel bad for forgetting it, but Lindsay Shaw is the yeah, name yeah, of the yeah. person. Mm-hmm. But she's just so, I hate saying it, but like, I'm not trying to judge her for anything. I know she went through a drug thing. Who didn't go through a drug thing as a child TV oh, uh, yeah, star? Course, yeah. And it's all messed up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to judge her for that. But at the same time, it's like, you're just airing out everything. Like everything. Yeah, because the clip that I saw, and I mean, full of the details if I'm missing anything, she was pretty much saying that, like, what, there was one time on set where she, like, was in the back giving Ned, like, top or something? Yes. (laughs) She was giving, and then she slept with most of the cast. Oh, wow. And they're just airing it out. Like, and the more we find out about her, the less, like, I'm interested in listening to the show. Because I feel like every episode, and don't quote me on it, I haven't listened to every single episode. And let me rephrase myself, rather. Every highlight that they post on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that is always to do with sex. Yeah, no, literally. That's all I've seen whenever I've been scrolling. Like, that, that, that's how I came across that. And at that point, that's past musty. It just smells like ass in here now. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's dirty. It's like, oh man, it's messed up. I don't, I, why? There's so many more topics to talk about besides sex. And it, I feel like maybe that's a disservice to the whole podcast in itself. I'm not trying to judge the whole thing. It's just that, hey, if you put out a highlight of your podcast and most, like maybe 90% of your podcast stuff is about sex. <laughs> I'm going to just assume that you guys just airing out dirty laundry all the time. That's, That's what I'm thinking. What you guys do. Yeah, they're just going for the whole shock value because it's like... Oh, we're adults now. We just blow each other, and, and that's what we do. And it's like, no, I get it. When you're young, you do a lot of dumb stuff, right? But is that really the substance here? Yeah, because even the iCarly reboot didn't have that same type of energy. Oh, 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 I'm an adult now. It's time to go start fucking. It's like, for that to be what that podcast is about, that kind of makes you realize why you guys didn't get picked up for a reboot. <laughs> I think everybody just knew like what was happening on stage. Like, you know what? Maybe it's best if we just leave yeah, that we left that declassified. Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. Very declassified. <laughs> But <laughs> even the same thing with there's another podcast with the girl that was uh, Kim Possible. I forget her name, too. She does a, another podcast, too. They do like this blanket podcasting network thing, Podco. 
Mm-hmm. And they have like the Wizard of Waverly Place podcast and they have another podcast with her, which was Eva Stevens and Kim Possible. But and, oh, and she also it's the main chick mm-hmm. from uh, That's a Raven too. one of the main chicks too, the white girl. Forget her name. I don't uh, know her name. Is it? Oh, OK. Um, I think it's what I'm saying right here is uh, Christy Carlson Romano. Yeah. Romano. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Right, there you go. And she does. It, she does it with mm-hmm. the, the other white chick from. That's a Raven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And they do it together. About. And even their podcast is all about, oh, would you like? Would you have sex with them? Or I, I was getting drunk and I did this, and I was like, oh, this is just God, that's so, just such low hanging fruit. Yeah, it's like, just, I feel like that's just so ugh, you know, like is, it, is there more interesting things to talk about? I it, I, I just feel bad. Like it just makes not, me think. They don't have much else to say. No, like, if, if you're all talking about the same thing and it's sex, and like that's just like the, the most common denominator, it just makes you you don't really have much to offer. Like, no, like I, I don't need to hear about how for all my favorite TV shows, you know, chicks are just in the back getting fucking banged out, and now it's time to film this scene. It's, I, I I didn't need that, <laughs> and that's pretty much the overall consensus. Like when I saw it on Facebook and like Twitter and things like that, people were just like. I didn't need to hear this. No. Like you, like, like it's like you said, you could have kept this declassified. Yeah, you could have kept that in the vault, like the Disney vault. I, I don't need to hear anything Talk about that. Self. And uh, I think also too, there's like this weird air to the podcast where Lindsay is kind of still crushing on Ned a bit, and it's like a weirdness of like, yeah, remember that one time I gave you a blowjob, and he's like looking shocked, like that, yeah, he looks kind of shook. Yeah. Like, you sure you want to talk about that on the podcast? Are you really sure you want to talk about this today? <laughs> and it's kind of weird. And everyone's like, oh, why don't you guys get back together? But the more I find out about her, the more sleazy this whole thing is. It's just, you know, that's what I mean. It's just kind of, I'm, I'm taking a big old step backwards. Like, I don't even, I'm not even interested in it. I used to be really interested in listening to the podcast. Like, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of wild. Isn't that kind of mm-hmm. cool? And now it's like, is that really all yeah, we talk about? But that's, yeah, what is this? When that's, all that you talk about. So, all right, time to find out how Lindsay Shaw was doing something else. It, I, I don't know. It, it just gets to a point where, because don't get me wrong, people do like shit that's vapid, you know, and it's shocked by you and things like that. But you have to realize it does get to a point where it's like your target audience that you're talking to, you're talking about the show that they watched when they were kids. Yes. I don't, like, if there were cocaine orgies happening on the set of SpongeBob, bro. I don't want to know about that. Like, <laughs> it's like I feel like your viewership is falling off because you're just killing people's childhoods at this yeah, point. Like, I don't care to know anything more about the the, the what happened in the back. I don't care. Yeah. I don't you already care. know about Dan Schneider, and that's knowing enough. Yeah, and we don't need to know anything more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> welcome to the Zoomcast podcast, the podcast bringing you news and discussion on all things, really, with just the right amount of ignorance. I'm just Vernon. Right I'm Ron. Nice seeing you guys. Nice coming in. Uh, today, we have a special, special topic to talk about today. Today, in general, is the start of our Black History Month-like extravaganza. Yes, uh, a cause that is very near and dear to our hearts, as we are both black men. Yeah, even though I don't sound like it. 
<laughs> Whatever your your uh, dictation is, I bet people were like, I, you know, I really did think about some of the mm. times that we did the podcast before on our first like run. Yeah, how many people heard me say nigga and a bunch of other things and was just like, you know, this guy's like, he thinks he can say this to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm coming out my nerdy ass self like, hey, it's me, <laughs> hey, nigga. Like- <laughs> But I get it, you know, I hear you, you know, but oh, hey, that's your prejudice talking, not me. Right. Why does black have to sound a certain way? Hey, that's a you thing, not me. Um, <laughs> but you did it. Like. But we are getting together, talking about films as it relates to our black experience this month. Because yes. again, like Ron said, this is something that is near and dear to us and we like to discuss it. And I feel like, wait more poignant and more poetic way to pivot from what we did mm-hmm. with our Valentine's Day things, talking about 500 Days of Summer mm-hmm. and uh, Eternal Sunshine and of Eternal Sunshine of the Mind. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And pivoting over into yet another romantic thing that the Black community deals with is interracial relationships. Yes. I don't know if anyone knew this, and I will say, and I'm not sure if I even talked about it on the podcast, but uh, here I go. Uh, at least for me, and I know Ron has his own story, but I was a part of a interracial relationship. My previous relationship mm-hmm. was interracial relationship with a white woman. Um, and I have, and periodically here in the podcast, I hope to share more of those experiences and struggles with you as the audience here. Uh, but uh, that is something that I have a lot of experience on and a yeah. lot of, of uh, struggles and hardships too. And as it being that we're so used to having a centerfold to kind of discuss these uh, topics with, um, we decided on a film to encompass this entire experience. And what better film to have it displayed for Black History Month but a Spike Lee film, mm-hmm. Jungle Fever. Jungle Fever. <laughs> So, Ron. Yes. Before I start, mm-hmm. let's talk about the streaming incident. The streaming incident. Yes. How, yes remember yes, how? Yes. It- <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, pretty much to start things off, you really can't find this movie anywhere. It's on YouTube. That's where I was able to find it. But as far as like a legitimate streaming service is going to show you like an original cut of the movie, it doesn't exist. Because while researching this topic, the only place that had this movie was Sling. You know, we get the Sling app, we start the movie up, and literally within a couple a couple of hours, right? Yes. A couple of hours, same day, because we looked for it, and it just wasn't there. See, but I should have known something was up, because even when you search, even when I searched the movie when I first got the app, I looked up Jungle Fever knowing it was on there, it said the movie wasn't there. I was only able to watch it because it was like in your continued watching history. Yes. So I think by the time that I was looking it up, it was already shadow banned and I only got to watch it for a minute because it was already in continued watching. But that was the craziest thing in the world. Like I've never seen a movie get taken off a streaming service literally as I'm trying to watch it. 
That was insanity. I was messaging Ron when this happened and this incident happened here. And I thought that the Matrix got us, man. I really yeah. thought I was in the Matrix. I thought that they missed something and they scrubbed it out like the movie just doesn't exist. I was like really freaking out. But at, uh, literally, as we're watching, as I'm beginning to watch this film, shadow ban, like Ron said, everything's gone dismantled. There is no way to stream this movie. There's no way to go about it. I, I think it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's on you YouTube, it. but the one that I saw, like, it's on YouTube, but it's like reversed and the audio is a bit weird just to get around the copyright, but that's the only place I was able to find this movie. So I did find some copies, of course, on Amazon. You can buy it there, but mm-hmm. who wants to spend like $20 on a movie that you probably don't care to own? But mm-hmm. it's a good film. Spoil it. Like, as far as like our thoughts, I like to think it's oh, yeah, a good it was, film. I think it was a great film. Um, but yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> we really got I think they figured out that we were about to do something for the podcast and they found out like oh shoot we gotta pull that <laughs> we can't have them have it I, yeah, I feel like it's that and they're also like wait a second we have a movie called Jungle Fever on our streaming service during Black History Month we probably should do something it's about this gotta go <laughs> watch this movie come back on this on the stream streaming service on March 1st like <laughs> I probably will <laughs> oh we lost it here you go here you go we found it we found it <laughs> <laughs> had to get rid of that put queen and slim in <laughs> man it's like all the companies when they'll have like the rainbow flags and everything for pride month and then the second that's over they go right back to what they were doing <laughs> it reminds me of that meme of like uh what was it the day after uh <laughs> black history month just frieza hello monkeys <laughs> <laughs> See, where I thought you were going was um the one meme that I saw where it was like companies like the day after Pride Month and it was um Mr. Chang from uh, The Hangover when he woke up in the back of that car. He was just like, so long, gay boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how it would be, though. It's like these companies and these corporations, like they'll say, oh, Black Lives Matter, you know, Pride, this, that, and third. Man, the second y'all month is up, you better, man, you better start trying to find somewhere else to work. It's the shortest month of the year. It's the mm-hmm. best we got. And it's off the back of Black, of uh, Martin Luther King Day. So, yep. really, that's all we get. It's and the first hey, month of the year, know. but it's the blackest month of the year. Hey, hey, hey. That's how it goes. Man. But, but we're getting into the film actually now. Um, yes. Uh, do you suggest everyone see it before they listen? It would be great. Enriches your experience. Highly recommended. This is an amazing movie. Because I want to start out with something that's also not really related to the film. But yep. I've, I have this marked in here to talk about. Man... That Stevie Wonder soundtrack? Man, I also have, I have a whole note about when a Stevie Wonder song played during the movie and the significance of it. No, Spike Lee was in his bag when he, when he made this soundtrack. Man, this is a great soundtrack. And mm-hmm. I did, I've heard of like, you know, the Jungle Fever song, like, you know, She's got jungle fever. I got jungle fever. This ain't my first time hearing it. Yeah, I heard of it before. I can't remember where I heard it before, mm-hmm. but, you know, seeing that I'm I'm a late 90s kid, I'm technically a Gen Zer, but I was the only child. So a lot of people who I grew up around were older than me. So I knew things that probably I shouldn't have known as as I was younger, mm-hmm. but I found out anyway. Um, this being probably one of them. I've heard it before. I can't really put my finger on where. Right. But this is a great soundtrack. I, I put it on my Spotify list here and I have some some tracks in there are really cool. But yeah, Stevie Wonder did the entire soundtrack to this film as far as like, you know, the bops that are in there. 
it is so interesting. I, it makes me forget how, or I wouldn't have known at the time. This is this is in the eighties, but this was a big. Spike Lee was a, and it still is, a big. Uh, it was a draw for the black community yeah. as far as like a, a monumental moment for like a big studio to produce and and distribute his film out to the masses like this, almost like a Tyler Perry type of uh, uh, celebration. I was talking to my mom about this, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of like how it used to be. Um, this big celebration. So it was interesting to listen to this big bombastic, mm-hmm. almost tongue in cheek song for the serious movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like the most levity you're gonna get before it get before it, before it like starts. Dead know? ass the most. Like this movie even starts odd. Like it does. Yeah. Do you want to get right into it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, for me, my notes in the beginning, because the, the, the movie opens with Wesley Snipes absolutely just banging out his wife. Yeah. I mean, she's hitting high notes and everything. You figure, okay, yeah, good, that's cool. I mean, right, right, right. Sex. The camera then pans to the next room where the daughter can hear everything. And what really stuck out to me about that scene was she's laughing when she hears it. Because mm-hmm. to her... She hears it all the time. Her parents have sex. Her mom gets loud. It's a normal occurrence. And me personally, that really resonated with me because just in my own personal life, my father was and is a very sexual person. So I feel like just growing up, a lot of things, a lot of instances that I saw as a kid that I really should not have been around. But like the little girl, I was like, oh, okay, that's just that's just life. So to me, it really shows how when you grow up in certain odd situations or different things, it really becomes commonplace to you because why wouldn't it be normal? What other, what other exposure do you have, you know? Right. And I was just, I was taking that and I hear you and like the, and what I took it as too, and I think it's a poignant scene. Um, mm-hmm. And I have my note in here and I, I will, I promise to like, it's circling back in, but there are a lot, there's a lot of religious overtones in this film that, oh, yeah. that are put in here. And it's not a mistake. There is a character in this film later on that does mention this, but I think it relates to the scene very well. And it's a chapter of the Bible. And he does recite this. This is first Corinthians seven, two, it says to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman, her own husband. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, you know, marriage when it's right, done right, it's great. And when you have, you let your wife satisfy you and you satisfy your wife, that's how we start this film off. And you see that this is, they have a good family here, uh, structures there. And when I feel like there's a trickle down effect, honestly, when there's a good marriage and your children, you can understand and feel that. You mm-hmm. see them in the morning, they have a loving relationship, they have a loving information, is, you know, or you can see it flourishing their family. She's having a discussion with her daughter about, Hey, when mommy and daddy are there, we're loving on each other. We're making love. And that's how it goes. And she goes, okay. And she goes, Hey, I kind of knew that was happening. This is how it goes. I guess, but I'm happy that mommy loves daddy. You know, I'm all for her. Like, that's how it goes. Right. Yeah. That's how I understand it. You know, if that's, you know, if it's all healthy, you know, but how would you know as a kid, but I guess in this, type of context. I like to think that they have a very, and I think it's displaying a healthy, not only a family, but a black family in itself. And I do agree with that. I don't feel like a part of a healthy dynamic is hearing your mom hit high notes and make no, it But no, I, but yeah. I completely get what you're saying because it was nothing that they had the conversation afterwards and they explained it to where it wasn't, you know, just like, oh, well, we were just playing or wrestling, you know. Right. They kept it honest with her. Yeah. So and that's I appreciate really good. that yeah. it's, it's, and to get at is like, I appreciate that 
it's a it's a healthy thing to see your I like to think at least it's a healthy thing to see your mother and your father love each other in a way. And not to say you're going to visually see them making love or hearing it, but even I don't know if I agree with that necessarily either that you have to be so freaking loud about it. Yeah, because like, like, she's kinda, in the next room. Right, that's like, kind of weird. But it is healthy to see your mother and your father love each other in a healthy yeah, way. Whatever. Each other that's a good thing. And I feel, like that, I feel like the movie was trying to illustrate that part in a way that's kind of touchy. But we see basically... A healthy father taking his daughter to school, holding her hand, Every day. being present, something that I never had growing up at all in the black mm-hmm. family structure, things that are healthy and good. And we see he's a well-to-do, very much a high-quality man. He works in architecture. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes um, is this pretty much a, a, a an example of a very, at least visually speaking or from the onset healthy high quality black man yeah and a healthy high quality black family structure that is almost ideal like the cosby family almost it's a very he's gotten enough money he's a provider and he's got this healthy structure going on and everyone's just in a very nice structured home and i think i have some other notes here but this is the trickle down effect I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And and I feel like to talk on the black family structure, I feel like what Spike Lee was trying to get at too is how he that's how you want it to be. That's what we all would like yes. the picture of the American dream of having the family, doing the stuff, and we're all black too, and we're a strong unit. And we don't see that often nowadays, or even back then, I can only imagine. It starts to fall off. Especially back then, yeah. And sometimes I feel that, especially depending on who you talk to, it feels like we have to owe it back to the black family to go back to this Mm -hmm. as, you know, well-put-together men to be with another black woman to have that type of structure. And that's kind of like, I I feel like he's trying to just illustrate this healthiness and this type of structure here before Mm -hmm. we get into basically the destruction or the holdup of what happens. But I, I think we'll go into that at some point later here when we get there, but that's how we start our film. Mm -hmm. Healthy black family structured, well-to-do black male, good wife, good kid. That's kind of where we start off. At least I like to think. Yes, it's very, yes. it's very idealistic. And that is one thing, not the idealistic part, but pretty much just the notion of this. That is one thing that's going to be a constant in this film, how Spike Lee really, he really gets his ideas across. Like you were saying, this is his idea of a picturesque, of a model, ideal family. But as you were saying later on, when we get to it, the destruction, how it goes... So much of this movie, and you'll hear us say it a lot during the course of this podcast, so many conversations and so much of this movie, these conversations are still happening. These are things that are still wanted in the black community. And we're talking about a movie that came out over 30 years ago. So I think that's pretty, like, and of course we'll get into it later on, but I think that's really the most poignant thing about this movie is that so many of the topics and the things that Spike Lee talks about are still things that are being discussed to this day. It is. And... And I feel, too, I want to touch on is since Leslie Snipes character here in this film is such a high caliber black male 
and he's and he's educated. He has his office mm-hmm. job. He is very successful. He still has to deal with the struggles of being a black man in America and the corporate world and not getting what his what he's owed, what he's due. Um, and having to go through those struggles as well. And even though he has what could be perceived as the American dream, he still has to struggle in that. And a lot of people deal, I, I have to deal with it in corporate America and some things. I'm not trying to like say I'm whining, but there is a deal. Uh, I think it's gotten better, of course. I can't really speak to I've said that I've gone through very much, uh, lots of um, discrimination at my job mm-hmm. at all. But I feel he has to still, and he does talk about in this film, he has to deal with that too. There's yeah. a lot of struggles that a black man has to face in, in the corporate world necessarily, you know, that you, you see in this film and also outside of it today. No, of course. Um, and if I, if I may, I actually had a note about the uh, corporate America thing because moving on a bit further in the movie while he's at his job, he gets a new, he gets a new secretary or assistant. This is Angie. And the whole thing with her that he dislikes about her is that she's white because you come to find out when he's talking to his boss, he says, oh, I said I wanted a black assistant. Why, why did I end up with a white one? And pretty much the note that I have here is that he's constantly reminded of his station. Because even when he complains about this, something that he feels is fair because you know, he felt like he had a really big hand in building the company to be able to get an assistant. Or like he pointed out again, like, hey, why am I the only black person that works here? When he has these concerns and these feelings, they give him very corporate answers like, why should we hire based solely on race? That sounds like reverse racism to me and saying things like what was really popular at that time, you know, Afro-American instead of African-American. Like, so even though it's like, even though he is high up to be a black man, even where he is, he's still constantly reminded that he is a black man. Exactly that. Mm-hmm. And also, I wanted to make a note here that he there is a sense of pride behind this whole thing that he really wants to have this 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 partnership because he's. He's putting in this work and there and mm-hmm. it's and it's true that a lot of the black work and a lot of black um a lot of a lot of things that 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 corporations take advantage of is off the backs of black art, black, mm-hmm. you know, work in general. And and we don't sometimes get what is owed to us for these types of things as well. But I also feel like there's a bit of selfishness in it as well, because later on he does quit the job. Um, due to his dissatisfaction of not being made partner at this architectural firm. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, and also too, and it leads into what the cusp of this film is all about. Yes. Is since he is a higher quality man in general, higher quality black men in particular, they don't tend to like to choose within any type of particular race or things when it comes to relational experiences. And I feel like that's kind of having Angie as a secretary. I think he's wrong inherently for cheating on his wife because oh, we yeah. go. Oh, yeah. But they but I think I wanted to touch on it before we get into this is that because it, it pivots into this perfectly into the next topic here or the next bullet point is that I don't know many highly educated, highly um high caliber people in general who stick to just their race for things in particular, when it comes to dating, Hmm. I've never really seen it. And I have an example here. I, when I went to Texas, I went to Texas on a business uh, trip, basically Hmm. I was there for a month and I went to get my haircut by a woman over there and she does a haircut business for just men only. So she cuts men's hair specifically. 
And she was very talented what she does. She has high reviews. She did everything herself, built her own business, very, you know, educated black woman. Uh, and she didn't date within her race either. Like we talked about interracial relationships and how that works and everything. And, and the struggles that a lot of the high caliber people have, and just in general, not just men or, or, or even just women, but just in a general sense, highly educated, go-getting business type of black men and women, they tend to have more options, just inherently more options yeah. than they would if they were like on the, on the back end of like having less education, having less options that way. No, I agree. I mean, I feel like that's really, I mean, that's especially black people, but I mean, just people in general, the yes. more money and the more acumen you get, you have access to more things. But it's funny you say that because I really can't think of many super highly successful black people that are dating within their own race. I mean, of course it exists, you know, right. like, you know, Samuel Jackson has his wife. Um, what's going to go from the top of my head? Yeah, that, that, that's a thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that, that really is something that, I don't think it gets talked about a lot of, um, enough, you know, because when you reach a certain level of fame, fortune, whatever it is, it's almost like you begin to exist outside of your race, you know? Exactly. And there is a disconnect when you can display value that supersedes your race and people start to see green instead of black or white or whatever color you are, you can do whatever you want, really. Mm. But I also feel like there is a, uh, when we're talking about interracial relationships, it is a, and we'll get, and we'll touch on this later too. There's a bit of a pain and a hurt behind it, but uh, mm-hmm. for other people and we will get there, but to get back into the film itself and the roadmap we have here, but yep. that's kind of like what the, I feel like is touching on is that he is this high caliber black man who can make these type of decisions he gets very much involved with Angie and they have this talk and it's the most slimiest thing in the world to me because he's basically saying, Hey, I've never cheated my life before. They're like flirting. I hated that moment so much. I'm married and I'm happily married. I've never cheated on my wife before. And is there a point where like, she like literally goes to leave? He's like, Oh no, no, no. Come back. Come back. I'm still going to cheat though. Like that's kind of, that, that's the slime ball stuff I was talking about. And I, and that's regardless of race, that's just yeah. slimy. All right. It didn't matter. And to me, and to speak about the thesis that Spike Lee's trying to illustrate by his lens, I feel like this relationship was doomed to fail on a general basis, regardless of race. But I think it just, for it just being happened to have been a interracial relationship kind of paints it in a more negative light. Then more than needs to, because it's already a very disgusting thing to happen. Yeah, because it's just a man needlessly breaking up his family. Yeah, exactly. And and I feel like putting in that frame kind of puts it in a more, I don't know, a kind of a subjective view of like, oh, it's it's even worse now because it's interracial, not because it's just that he's cheating on his wife, and it feels like, oh, even the people's reactions to him cheating. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, I'm not sure if you had anything you wanted to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, no, or, yeah. I was going to say that the movie, like even the movie, answers those questions pretty much in turn too, because of course there's the whole matter of his brother Gator, who is like the complete opposite in my opinion. But we'll get into him in a minute. The movie really does handle that because one part in particular that I really liked is of course, this is after, you know, they've had sex and they've gone back to their people because if, if you didn't know, Spike Lee also plays a character in this movie and he plays the character of Cyrus, who is Flip's best friend. And how it goes about is after he cheats, he's at a basketball court with Flip. And so I'm like, yeah, man, I, I cheated on my girl. Da, 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 da. But at the same time, Angie's with her white friends telling, well, Italian friends 
telling them how she cheat how well, how she pretty much cheated on her boyfriend. And the funny thing about it is that pretty much both groups have the exact same reaction. Because when he first tells Cyrus, hey, I cheated, he said, oh, man, you cheated? That's terrible. Come on, man. Yeah, she was white. And she was white? Like, <laughs> and it's the exact same thing on Angie's end. Because they're like, oh, yeah, I'll see you two-timing. Okay, no problem, no problem. Oh, what a black guy. And Angie's also in this weird relationship that's not really going anywhere and it's kind yeah. of stagnant. Her high school relationship, yeah. Yeah, and they're off and on or kind of kind of in the gray zone a little bit. And and yeah, like you said, Angie's talking to her friends and Flip is talking Flip, who's Wesley Snipes character, is talking mm-hmm. to his friend about it. And everybody's freaking out about the wrong thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Spike was getting at that. Yeah, people cheat, but it, it becomes so much more politicky when you mm-hmm. talk about races. And I'm not sure if you even notice this too in your own personal experience. But yeah. anytime that I talk about a girl that I I'm talking to, or or I talk to my mother or some person about it, not saying my immediate friends, but most of my family, it's like, oh, what race is he? She black. Everyone goes, oh, she black. She white. She what? What's she? She what? What's she? No, exactly. I've had the exact same experience. I think mine was like a, it was like a little bit reversed because it's like I had actually, you know, brought white girls over before and I had, you know, had relations with Caucasian women and things like that. So when I finally did start dating a black girl, everybody around me was like, wait, she's black? <laughs> it's almost like they were surprised. Like, wow, you can, so you can do that, huh? Like, <laughs> you know, because that same thing happened with me. Like, I, I talked on the podcast about how I recently went on a date and the woman yeah. was black. And, and I even had an experience where I told my neighbor across the way, I was talking to her about my experience. I already told you guys, if you guys want to listen to what happened with me with my date, listen to the second episode of the podcast right there, right there on RSS.com. And so I went to go ahead and talk to her about what I, what I went through with the date. And she and I told everyone on the podcast, I told her, too, that, hey, I wasn't just really comfortable with this whole thing. She goes, you must hate black women then. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is so far from the point, man. That is so far, but that's kind of like, the, and my neighbor, she's black herself. So I feel like that's, we're kind of touching on this here too. I don't want to skip too far, but that's like mm-hmm. the, the issues here. It's like, it's always a race thing. It's not like a, hey, she, is she hot? Is she uh, that's a she normal question. Nice? Like, yeah. But everyone, at least in my immediate fam, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's a, oh, she black, she white. She, mm-hmm. that's, like, that's like the second question. It's always like, oh, I'm talking to somebody. Ooh, she black? Yeah. That's like the, that's what I get. Because I've had similar questions in my family, and I think they wouldn't really come to me and be like, oh, what are you? You're a black chick. That's great. But I do feel like there are certain people who are just a bit more comfortable now. Like, yeah. if, I, if I were to bring her around, it, it's just a bit more comfortable than, you know, everybody in this room is the same color except for that person, you know? Right. Angie's friends getting back to the film really quick. Angie's friends are talking about how that's kind of like belittling her or that's beneath her to date someone who's black Mm -hmm. and how him, how flip cheek on his white is bad, but it's even worse now because she's white. Yeah. And that's not, I feel like we're again, like touching on like, that's like, this is missing the entirety of the point. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this movie starts to, it's the whole point with the name jungle fever. Uh, is getting into the idea that everything else is pushed away. It just becomes a race issue versus mm-hmm. just I'm cheating on my wife 
or I'm a scumbag for cheating my wife or I'm with a woman I'm supposed to be with in a general sense. It's no, it's a race thing now. It's 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 now it's this. It's a deeper issue now and it's mm-hmm. more ingrained into something when we're missing the whole point of everything else. Exactly. We're sacrificing right. the whole thing. Because the whole point is just infidelity. But it, it's like, it, it oh, should wait, be but you slept with someone who was a different race. You know, it almost makes you feel like the people around them would have felt better about it if they had to cheat it within their own race, which is insanity. It is insanity. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of the thesis I think he was going with. And I want to talk, and I think we're getting on it and touching on it right now. We're talking about temptation mm-hmm. and the fetishization and the curiosity of interracial relationships here. And I get tired of the idea, and I feel like we're touching on the scene where Angie and Flip as friends, and even before then when they were flirting with each other, because it goes super fast. I feel like they're kind of missing. There is no like very lovey things going on between Angie and Flip, and uh, there it's more of a curiosity, curiosity and, and a lust. and a yeah. lust situation. And it, I hate the idea of oh, let's try this out. Like it's like a mm-hmm. flavor and it's not just, oh, you're a person and that's just how I'm interested in you. It's more, it's like, no, I'm just interested in your color. Yep. Cause what Snipes even says in the movie, you know, I was, but when, he, when he's talking to Cyrus, you know, I have been curious about Caucasian women. And Andy said something to the same effect when she's talking to her friends. So it's exactly like you said, it's treated more of like a Baskin Robbins flavor of the month thing than actually, hey, here are two people who are compatible. And let's see if they work out. So here's two people who are of a different race. Let's exactly. see if they work out. Yeah. And that's the the sickening part. And I will play devil's advocate. Like, I've been attracted to women who were brown-skinned women, Arabic women, those type of things. But, you know, the culture in itself is ingrained to so. And I get it. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to speak anything against it. But it's ingrained in a way that they do date within their own people. And yep. that's how they build. And that's how it goes. And especially within the religion as well with Islam. It is very much like a you have this is how you go, no matter how curious you are or about other things outside of where you're at. But mm-hmm. I get there is inherently a curiosity of what is out there as well. But we're not as humans. We are individuals and mm-hmm. it's hard to be an individual and also with the reality of being black yourself. So every decision you make is based off of almost your skin color, not as you being an individual. But it we can't lie and say that men or even women, I'm sure have had that thought process. Like, dang, I kind of wonder what that would be like, or I kind of wonder what's going on there, but it it is kind of, it is backwards thought, but that's kind of like how society is built because of the structures involved there too. So it's kind of like, Yes, but you know, type you know, of thought of process. I, guess. I mean, just on average, people usually date within their races, like regardless of the race. So it's one of those things where, especially depending on where you are in the culture, even today, you know, you can still bring people around. Say, I mean, even what you're describing, like 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 like, like with Arabic people. Like, I don't know if you know it, but there's a lot of Arabic uh, people and cultures where they really wouldn't want their daughters to date or talk to black. No, it is frowned upon immensely. Mm -hmm. And there's still other, I mean, it's even in our race and things, there's there's certain uh, people even now today still frown upon this, this, this union that people are so stuck on race and it's such a, a big deal for, uh, for people. It's a hurdle that people need to, that, that is hard to get over and 
And I like here too, later in the film and we get, and there's later scenes too that incorporates to this conversation, but a lot of people are expanding upon it. There's uh, Angie's brothers and, mm-hmm. and the community that Angie comes from. And I forget the exact name of the community, but it's Harlem versus uh, I forget the other oh, city. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a predominantly white neighborhood that she comes mm-hmm. from. And these people are Italian guys. And yeah. I was going to talk to you about it too. There is a yep. clear difference between a white woman and a white Italian woman. Now, that mm-hmm. is different. White uh, Italian people, or at least the, the depictions of it, like I watch Sopranos. Mm-hmm. And, and not to say that's a whole, that's, that encompasses the entire community. Could I be like racist in itself? <laughs> yeah, I can. I, I know exactly what you guys are about. You know, like I. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you say that because there's actually a couple of uh, Sopranos characters in this exactly. movie. Exactly. You know, Chris Malasanti yep. is in here. Uh, we have, I forget, the father's also part of the Yeah, the, the father, well. he had worked for Tony. But I yes. his name, yeah. And, you know, but I, I was just saying earlier, it'd be kind of terrible for me to say, yeah, like, you know, I go to Pizza Popolis, I watch Sopranos, I don't know exactly what Italian people are all about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm well versed. I'm well, like, boobity beep beep, boobity bop bop. I won't, no, that's messed up. But I'm just saying, like, that's it. But that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's messed up, right? Yeah. Like that, I don't think you can encompass all of this, but from my from what I've seen in media and a thing like and everything, Italian people they tend to uh, lean on being identifying as white. Is this what I've seen? As mm-hmm. far as like you know the media depictions, not saying everybody, but it tends to no, be a racist or prejudice towards dating outside your race. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in the Sopranos, if anyone's ever seen it, but there's the daughter of Tony Soprano, um, Meadow. She dates a black man, a black mm-hmm. Jewish guy. And, uh, and 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 Tony just makes fun of the whole thing. He's so not with it. And it's like a it's a disgrace for the Italian culture, at mm-hmm. least for them to meld. And that's a big issue. But that, that'd be like the least on my list to try to get with because that's a problem. An Italian white woman, that's like yeah, insane, no, right? You like you can't put the fried chicken in the pasta. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being a struggle versus just like a, I don't know, your average, I guess, quote unquote, whatever that would be, white woman. It's like a whole different type of culture entirely for Italian people. Which is such a crazy thing because I'd always seen it here and there, but especially in this movie, it's just so crazy that even Italians are like, yeah, no, well, certain Italians were even like, oh, well, yeah, you know, really don't want you to talk to those black guys. It, it just makes it's just crazy because maybe it speaks to my own biases or my own ignorances. But I've always just seen Italian people. I mean, of course, it's Italian people, but I was like, okay, well, they're also white people. Yes. But I, I love that there's like that, there's that divergence between, it's like, yes, they're white, but they're Italian. Yeah, there's white. a culture. It, it's a completely different more type of race. It's into their uh, community, like you mm-hmm. were saying. Like, that's exactly it. And that's where some of that hatred comes from. But also, there's a curiosity throughout the entire film from a lot of people in this in this community. Yeah, and that's what I was and, say. and and it is something that has persisted. And we talk about how this affected in slavery and and a bunch of things and history in itself. But a lot of these guys who are Italian guys look at black women. They're still attracted to black women. They still like, but they they keep it on the hush. They don't want to ever be seen mm-hmm. with a black woman. They don't want to ever be. But they will have sex with a black woman. They will keep them on the side. They may even like try to fall love on the side on this on this whole thing but they never want to make it public yep it's kind of insane that a community in itself can ingrain you to be miserable to stick to something that you're not that interested in or just as a person 
And you have to be forced or shoved to be in a community with someone that you know you're not that interested in. Or no, literally, yeah. And, and like I said, I was going to get noted that too, where on all sides, because you know you have the Italians that are um in Angie's boyfriend's uh, candy shop, wherever that is, they're always talking because there's a one black dude that comes in that he's obviously sweet too, but he's still with Angie at this time. And he told that he likes her and like, oh, you like that black woman? Nah, 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 nah. But on the other end of things, after... Not, not not jump around too much, but after Flip's wife eventually does find out that he cheated, she kicks him out. Her and all of her girlfriends are having a round table and their situation is pretty much the same thing, but just the woman's perspective where it's like, oh, well, you got to date within your race because nobody else wants to talk to you. Oh, well, girl, I date Chinese, Asian, white. Oh, well, I just date who treats me right. And it's funny because on all sides of this movie, everyone has a curiosity, but for one reason or another, everyone's going to stay in their lane. And I think exactly. that's what makes Wesley Snipes' character and Angie so important because I do feel like the other people in the movie, while they do clown them and talk about them, I also feel they look at them enviously yes. because at the end of the day, they're still pursuing something that we're just talking about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And these guys are... Uh, it's insane to me in a general sense, just hopping out of the movie really quick, but or yeah. let me hop back in, actually. Angie's... And you were mentioning Angie's boyfriend at this time before she messes with Flip has he does work at this candy shop and you mentioned the candy shop earlier mm-hmm. a lot of these guys are italian guys they're talking back and forth and also on the flip side with flip ha, there yeah. it goes uh his wife is like you're having this round table conversation everyone's having this dialogue mm-hmm. everyone in this film is having these back and forth conversations curiosity temptations but they're holding themselves back for really thin, dumb reasons about whatever that is, mm-hmm. because they care so much about what the community thinks of you. And there's so much shame behind it, which is really silly. But that's something that's just ingrained in the culture. And the, and because of racism, there's this intrinsic thing that's built into society that says that you have to do this. And even just my own experiences, that's a really common thing. I mean, for black women, especially just like a lot of black women that I've talked to. They've I, I've heard that before, the fascination of people wanting to talk to them just because they were black. Yeah. You know, and having that black fantasy. And you, you might be a white dude or whatever, but you just having that fantasy of wanting to talk to a black woman. Again, not really seeing them as people, no. but hey, it'd be really cool to sleep with this person whose skin color is so vastly different from mine. And I think it's wild in a general sense. Just it's a wild statement. And I was talking to my my good buddies about this. Mm-hmm. It's wild to just say that you only date one type of person, like one yeah. kind of race. Just and it's not like a particular preference. Like it'd be different if you say, "Hey, I like a guy that's got," or it likes this, or likes a particular thing. Because anybody can like a particular thing and not have a race attached to it. But to just say I date only this race, it's kind of cringe, man. I don't know how yeah. to feel about that. It's it's like, I don't know if I would consider it to be racist because I've had these conversations before. I don't consider a preference to be racist, but like you said, when it's like that, when I only date this race or this type, it gets to a point where it's like, if you really think about it, that's kind of like almost, in my opinion, like lightly veiled racism when you think about it. And I feel that when you try to denounce and you try to run away from something just because it's a race, it it could be a person that likes the same thing as you or that's the surface level thing, but has the same values rather. Mm -hmm. We talked about this in our Mm -hmm. podcast 
having shared values, you're attracted to them, like physically speaking. They're not like whatever it's your preference. But the only thing that sets them back is that they're a different race than what you're used to dating is kind of weird to me. It's weird. You know? it, it's it, very it, weird. It's, it's like you said, it just devalues people at the end. It of does. Day. It just devalues people. But that's kind of what I wanted to get on is like having this type of preference and seeing where it gets you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of black women, generally speaking, end up with black men regardless. Like, you know, that ends up being the common denominator that you see with, you know, the census. Um, you can look at everything and track the paperwork and everything. Everyone tends to end up with the same race anyway at the end of the day. But yeah. a lot of people get hung up on the outliers that happen. But I, I think it's an interesting thing, just as an aside, before we get into another side of this film, is to talk really about like the numbers here. I was so interested. There is a thing called the delusion calculator. And it is there's a male delusion calculator mm-hmm. and a female delusion calculator. And basically, it's supposed to illustrate that, hey, put in all your preferences, put the whole thing in there and see what the result is in the U.S. census. And it backs up everything about people in this particular thing. So you can do particular race, height. Uh, financial structure, whatever, or you can do the same thing with women or, you know, put them in categories or whatever. So I put in uh, for a black man with no kids, not married, who makes 30K a year between the ages of 20 and 35. And there is a 3.3% likelihood that you will find a man in that particular bracket of what you're looking for. If you are a black woman Mm -hmm. looking specifically for a black man all the time, and that's all the thing you go for, and that's it. I feel like that, obviously, with the numbers here, that puts you in a box. It's a box that is so stupid. And I feel like there's so much more to life than to put yourself in that box. And it's nothing wrong with having a preference of preferring something. But when it's like that, you siphon off your numbers in a general thing. I feel like dating and finding the right person is a numbers game, really, at some point. It's not that. I mean, you don't have to put so much math behind it, but there is a numbers game to this whole thing. There's not a lot of, I hate saying it as a black man, but there's not a lot of high quality black men out there that are in abundance that I see often in our community. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, high quality people are really in abundance anywhere. That's true too. But the the thing is, because we were having a dialogue about this earlier, and I mean, I agree. Like when you stick to only one race, especially if you are, like let's say you're a woman, a black woman, and you specifically only stick to black men, but you're a well-to-do black woman. You know, you might have your own business. You might make like what, 70, 80K a year, whatever it is. It's like you said, for just for something like that, just to date up, if you want to just stay black, you your pool is so much smaller. And really, in so many words, not only does being, whether you're a man or a woman, not only does being of a higher status severely handicap your options, but especially when you stick to a race, it's like you said, then you get into percentages where it's like, shit, you'd be lucky to find someone. So and It's better just to just be open yes. uh, to new things and new possibilities and uh, keep yourself open this way. But I feel like a lot of the community in itself puts you in a bind and there's a lot of struggles behind this. And that's kind of pivoting into the next like bullet point, mm-hmm. which is I wanted to get into going into this film again, the pain and rejection of this whole thing. You were mentioning earlier about the round table with these women that are talking flips wife when they break up because he, she finds out about this affair and she's talking with her girlfriends and they're all going in a ground group talking about what interracial relationships or dating means to them or mm-hmm. how that goes. 
that's kind of and some women in the t- conversation this round table you can see it on YouTube too by the way it's like a minute and a half like really awesome clip about and there's conversations that are still happening today and there's women that are picked aside you were mentioning one said you know I, I, I go for whomever you know what doesn't matter what type of race I'm just gonna go out there and try it out and there's other people who mm-hmm. really just want a quality black man they're not gonna resolve for anything less than a quality black man and they're, they, they have like a bit of like an anger of like why would they go for anything else but me I, ain't I good enough it's like a rejection it feels like because someone has more options than you, it comes off like a rejection of your race or your identity. And it's not so much of an individual making a decision to date another individual. No, absolutely. And if you guys are trying to find this, it's um, Jungle Fever clip five out of 10, the art of no theory. And it's a, it, it, like Vernon said, it's, it's a really good dialogue because at the end of the day, as far as it's concerned, I really have two things I want to say, and they're both about the wife. In this conversation, well, actually, no, I'm going to the previous conversation because before they talked, Flip did come to her store with some flowers and he wanted to be with her again. They talk in the back of the department store and she just opens up. She keeps it real. She's like, was I not light enough for you? Mm. And then you come to find out that he's always had a fascination with white women and he literally only dated light skins. So he was already kind of halfway in that camp anyway. But I say all that to say, I love that by the end of the conversation with her girlfriends, she comes to the only answer that really matters, where she says, you know what? White, black, whatever it is, my man is gone. And that's all that. And that's the and that's the cup of what should have mattered is exactly. that he cheated. That nothing else really matters is that he cheated. And that should be the only thing that really matters mm-hmm. is that he cheated. Not so much about who he cheated with. But I get her hurt and her pain because a lot of the stuff that that she's dealing with is the making being made fun of as a kid, the mm-hmm. the rejection she felt, the colorism that happens in the black community, being light skinned. Yep. I mean, we make jokes about light skinned dudes and stuff like that, and then people mm-hmm. want to make fun of that, but really it's kind of in itself kind of problematic about, you know, I know it's in light fun. It's not always to hurt people, but there is a, a, a need to divide black people even further than we already are divided. And we're so, it's almost like a self hate of, yeah. Oh, she's a light skinned girl. So I hate her, but she has a black experience too. That's black or, people wearing sandy colors. It's crazy. Right. And, and that's kind of the deal. And like you know, having a dark skinned woman and her feeling like she's the most rejected person in the world. And that's why she's so angry and mad and she hates herself mm-hmm. and she hates the other. But everyone's dealing with their blackness and their identity of blackness in a different type of way. Mm-hmm. And, it, and there's different levels of education, there's different levels of colorism, there's different levels of all these things. And if there's like an inherent rejection and pain when a black man chooses a, a person that is not a black woman and some black women and even black men, I'm, I'll, uh, just black people in general take this yeah, as man. a massive rejection of themselves mm-hmm. because the world feels like she, the, they feel like the world rejected them. So they feel like, oh, at least I got my people here. You think you got your people you're all together because you should be together as a community of black people. But people also want to put you in that category and not look at you like we talk about as individuals. It's hard to be an individual as a black person in general. It's hard to do that yeah. because we're viewed as a commodity of just one big formation but there is a beauty behind that but also it's frustrating because you can't really be your own type of person Mm -hmm. and when the world rejects you you tend to there's an anger of rejection that that is a lot of anger and pain there you know because i would definitely say especially just for black people in particular so much of that is already due to like so much systemic racism and things like that on average i mean the average black person doesn't feel i mean at that time and of course some now 
don't feel the best about themselves simply because of how we've been portrayed in the media and because of just how racist our country is. So you have like it's a double whammy because there's already the feeling of not being good enough that's put into you by society. And then when you take somebody from your own race and, and and they did outside of it, that's when the true rejection sets in. Because, yeah, okay, society already views me a certain way. That's fine. But when someone in your community then dates someone else, which is well within their right, it's already so much of them put to the black community for us to feel bad about ourselves. Like I said, when when we did outside of our race, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of that anger and a lot of that vitriol really just comes from the fact that they already didn't feel good enough. So then when people did outside of the race, that's when they really don't feel good enough because like damn my own people don't even want to fuck with me and that's and and we see this later on the film when Mm -hmm. uh flip finally accepts the fact that his wife is not coming back and angie breaks it off with her boyfriend and we see them sitting at a a restaurant and the dirty looks that they get and i felt that same type of vitriol when i was dating my ex at the time Mm -hmm. i couldn't go places i couldn't do things and certain and black women did give me dirty looks i'm being honest like and it felt there was a it, it, it sucks to, and I, I'll never forget this, man. I'll never, ever forget this. The same ex we dated back in high school at one point, and we were on and off for like a while. And when we did our first date when I was a kid, I never forgot. I went to Fairlane, and that was over there in Michigan. There's a mall over there called Fairlane Mall. And it's mostly a, at least it's still now is mostly, it's closer to Dearborn. It's more Arabic now than it had to Dearborn. We have the highest rate of, of mm-hmm. Arabic Americans, but it is a black, mostly like, you know, black area. So at the time when I was walking with this white woman as a black man on a date and I'm just walking around, I had so many dirty looks. I can imagine, man. Yeah. So many people were judging me and I felt so small. I don't ever forget how small I felt and how I felt so judged and almost like, you know, talked about, um, like ah, uh, like disgust, like almost like a disgust that I was just mm-hmm. being an individual, enjoying who I wanted to be around, and I felt so bad. Like I couldn't, I felt guilty even trying to kiss her right at the time when I was a kid. Like it felt mm-hmm. so, uh, like a, it, it was so dirty to me. But it wasn't my fault. I was being myself, and I was just being who I wanted to be with. But I felt like a shame, like I failed. Yeah. the community in some type of way when really it was no failure. It yeah. was just people's own perceptions and their own type of mentality. That their was own the projections. Issue. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get on this too, because I have an experience where when we later started to date again as adults, uh, I, I, the next door neighbors to her, they're a black family and they saw me walking in and out and picking my girlfriend up. And of course they're a white family. So they see me with her. And later on, uh, I found out that my ex's car got egged. Oh, they egged her car. Wow. She was nothing but nice to these kids, these black uh, women, kid, like these black, like the girls, they're black girls. And she said hi to them and everything, nothing That's wrong crazy. or nasty. And she asked them like, why did you do it? And they literally told her because you're dating a black man. Wow. That's crazy that, you know, you still have instances like that that happen in the modern day. Yes. And it's painful. And dude, and it's it's hurtful because I'm a nerdy black guy. I ain't going to hold that up. 
I mean, I ain't goofy, but I am nerdy. Mm-hmm. I, I have, you know, I was always a nerdy black man. I went, to, I read comic books, all sorts of stuff. And I was always in a different type of frame. And I wasn't what you would conceive or perceive to be a stereotypical black man. I feel right. like that's also its own type of issues too. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I was rejected a lot by, by, by other black women for that reason that I didn't fit a certain type of mold that they were looking for. And something wrong with that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I had that type of rejection too, and I had to search myself that maybe even I have to work on certain things about my pain and rejection from other black women. But I feel like there's a mentality too where people tend to go where they're loved, right? Yeah. If you have more success within a certain type of group of people mm-hmm. or a certain type of thought process or whatever you're loved, you stick with, right? I was more loved and appreciated or even sought after by more white women than I was with black women. And to this day, even though I I do not want to ever siphon it off or ever change the possibility, I have never dated a black woman in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never been at least romantically involved with a black woman. I've been interested in black women, but I've always had to. It was never worked out with mm-hmm. like another woman of the same color as me. And I always wanted to have something like that. But it doesn't it's not something I aim for. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't. And that's doesn't, what you should right? look at it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, but no, you're right. I mean, because that's the way you should look at it. Because at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot to be said about what is beautiful within our own community you know and a lot of that has to do with the things that you see when you grow up and things like that because really just as a whole like comic books and video games of course the things that we're into have always been seen as more of like a dorky or nerdy kind of thing yeah. and especially growing up black it was really ingrained and like you not that like, you have to work twice as hard you have to do double everything because you're not only a man but you're a black man so, so many things, at least my own personal experience, you know, growing up playing video games, comedy, shit like that. A lot of that shit honestly got me clowned. Like, even by my own family, it's always like I hear playing video games, watching anime and shit like that. So, a lot of that stuff, even though it's just normal entertainment and everybody does it, so much of that stuff was frowned upon within the black community because me personally, I feel like we ourselves a lot of times feel like we have to portray a certain image and uphold what it means to be black. When in actuality, what does that really mean? Exactly that. You're talking about there's a comedy sketch with Key and Pill where they that's a change how they talk to whatever group they're talking to. Mm, okay, so okay. there's like when they got all black friends, they gotta like, you know, do the weird, like, you know, mm. hey nigga, blah 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 blah. And they have their white friends like, oh hey, what's up, guys? And it's like I felt those types of ways. I had to conduct myself in a certain type of way. And mm. I was also told too, and I know we we have the same experience because it's something that's ingrained to us as black men that we have to have this type of black excellence. Yeah. You have to work twice as hard. You have to do this. You have to go farther. You have to you can't just be good at something to be great at it. Mm. You have to do it, do it, do it, do it. And it has to be done in, a, in this type of way. And if you don't do it, you're going to fall through the cracks. And mm. basically that's been like a it's like a fear based mindset of you have to do it this way or you are not going to be successful. in America. Exactly. Exactly. And when you try to do these types of things and go your own way and and, and, and really the only options that you had was you'd be an athlete, sell drugs or, uh, I don't know, be a lawyer or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some, like, it was so much ingrained to do these types of things this way because there was it felt like there was no other option for you. Exactly. And, and you're boxed in this type of corner. And we were talking about being a high caliber black man. And then when you start getting to the mountain, you, get, you climb it up and you have that black excellence, you start to realize, like we were saying, 
there's other options out here than mm-hmm. what I than what my family told me. I can go here, I can go there. Yeah. But there's also it feels like a rejection, like we we're getting at when you do choose outside of that. But it's also ingrained in us to get to the mountain, get mm-hmm. high, get the education, especially black women, get educated. And that's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Make as much money as you can, get that degree, have the nice home, have the stuff. But when you get that, you are in a high percentage of black people in general or black yeah. or on your own. Uh, bubble. So it's hard to find people, even friends or even other people that have that type, type, same type of mindset as you because it's been ingrained in by your family to push up the mountain anyway. And we do it, you're like, oh, there's only like 2% of us who are really here. Yeah. Because that's one of those things where you, I, at least personally, I'm coming to this dialogue now as we're talking. I'm realizing that, you know, a lot of that of got to work so hard, do this, that, and third. A lot of that is just trauma advice. It is. Because we're getting it from our previous generations of black people where it was harder for them and they did have to do those things. So, of course, you know, life gets easier, things flow better, races get more used to being around each other as time progresses. But it's one of those things where I've never blamed the victims for still having that mindset. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, even if the world changes, that doesn't change what you went through. It doesn't change that pain. Because yeah. it still happens. It still, it still does. So it's one of those things where I feel like within our own race we're encouraged so 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 much to reach for the stars and get to the top because the generation before us and before them was told that nigga you're never gonna see that yep so like i said so much of it is fear because they were made to be kept down and if nothing else they don't want us to feel that same way you know so so much of it so much of you know what we find to be attractive or there's things that we go for or the women that we talk to or what's cool and what's not, even the colors things. So much of how black people interact with each other has to do with racism and segregation and things like that is crazy. Like so much of our identity, especially, I mean, I, I, I'm just speaking in terms of America. So much of our identity is pain, suffering, forced labor. It's always funny to me when people say, oh, black people, they you know, they're angry, they're thugs, or this, that, and third, and like they make like like with this crazy group of people. But when you really think about it, black people's history all, throughout almost all of America has just been nothing but pain. What yep. was that one black city that they were actually trying uh, to? Was that it was something with an R? Tulsa, Tulsa, yeah, Tulsa, yeah. And it was too because it was in the Tulsa and then something also like in Roseville too. Ooh, I forget, like man. I know about the Tulsa. I know about that, but, but but Tulsa for sure, yeah. When black people were trying to make their own community, and then white people just came and sacked it. So it's one of those things where even when we try to do our own thing, like Flip with his bosses, we were always reminded of our station. So it's, And you're pushed down. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's a sad but beautiful thing. It's sad because so much of our advice and our things come from trauma. But trauma, I mean, shit, diamonds are made under pressure. It's true. So, and so uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of... That's what I was getting at. Like, that's yeah. the reason why I feel like you see a lot of black men in interracial relationships. That's like the most free decision they can make. I feel yeah. like, right. It's a freeing thing to be able to make your own decision of who you want to be with in a general sense. And mm-hmm. it should be a decision that you make that's not judged or whatever, but it's highly, highly scrutinized. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think we it, great tangent we went on, but yeah, what I was getting at is there's a scene here where Angie and Flip are in the they're in this restaurant. Queen Latifah's in this movie. That was and, such a funny scene. Yes, <laughs> and he, and her, she's purposely ignoring mm-hmm. the, to take their order as a waitress because she's super mad that he brought a white girl into a black establishment and and, and they're, and they're sitting down just crazy. just trying to eat literally. 
He's I've been sitting for 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, no, I would have left, right? 30 minutes wait time. Yeah. crazy. Like, you know, like, but I, I felt I, I felt that. And I told you guys earlier about, you know, the experience I had at the mall, but I, mm-hmm. it's I felt that immensely in the thing that you can't go everywhere as an interracial couple. You can't do everything. There's people who are still stuck in their ways about your their thoughts about you. And there's a certain mindset to carry into that type of relationship. And that's just like a good example that you see. And there's mm-hmm. other examples in this film, too. And I feel like that puts us into there is another scene in here. And it's so hurtful. But again, let's go going back to the Stevie Wonder uh, mm-hmm. song. I almost got I'll be honest with you, dude. I, I don't know why I can't explain to you. But there's a scene here where Angie comes back home yep. and her father is beating her. And for some reason, with the Stevie Wonder song and everything, I was like tearing up. I don't know why. It's something about somebody being beat while there's like semi happy music in the background <laughs> that just fucks it up. These three words. And she's getting, I mean, getting the donkey. No, no, she was getting the beat out of her. beat out of her. To the point where her brothers had to come out and pull him off of her. Like, he was so mad. And even when she left, he's on the window, like, oh, my daughter is a and with a hard R lover. And it's like, man. Yeah. I it's it's she gets bombarded at the door and this whole community finds out about how Angie is with a black man with flip mm-hmm. and you know words word spreads like wildfire in this tightly knit community that she's in of mm-hmm. mostly white Italian people I would assume and one of the lines he says as he's beating Angie is so hurtful and I will say it and to as a quote um mm-hmm. and in the context of this film I would rather you've been with a murderer or a pedophile than a nigger. That's hurtful. That's so fucked up. I forgot about that line. Wow. It, it's so painful and hurtful. And I don't know why it hurt. It really hurt me like to hear such awfulness. Yeah. And to, 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 dis, to disregard your father. And really, yeah. I'll take, take everything aside about Flip. If he was a white man, that would have been a good catch. Yeah. Or, or, he's a good catch in general. I meant to say is like for in the context of her father yeah, and what his he perception, by, yeah. what he values. Mm-hmm. Take it. He's a he is a high caliber black man who's very educated, who's well well off and financially sound. And you're stuck on the race of this man for your yeah. daughter. And granted, they shouldn't be with him. She shouldn't be with him anyway because he's a married man. That's a whole another issue. But that's the part that again we're getting at that he's stuck on. It really just proves the point of um, it's a harsher version of what happened when Wesley Snipes and um, Angie told their friends about it. It was, oh, you, you did this thing. Oh, but this person was blessed. So to me, I feel like this is really just like the extreme version of that. Like he said, I'd rather you be with a rapist or a pedophile than a black man. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. And like, and like I was saying, you know, it just speaks to pretty much the overall message of the movie where. And not the overall message, but one of the core themes of the movie that we were talking about earlier is that even when you do dirt, depending on the race you do it with, it makes it so much worse. It does. And what happens later is Angie's kicked out of the house. She's mm-hmm. kicked out entirely. She, her friends help her get packed up and leave. And the mm-hmm. whole community's outside looking at everything. And it's like she's being judged, ostracized, kicked out, and totally forgotten about by this community. Mm-hmm. And it's wild. It's a wild thing to hear, to, to see this happen. And they're both, both Angie and we leave off of both Angie and Flip being completely casted out by their respective mm-hmm. communities and judged and thrown out. And it feels like it's them against the world in some type of way. But even that doesn't really last very long here because 
you you start to realize in this film there's a bunch of scenes here too they're play fighting and they get pulled over by the cops and the cops start you know interrogating him because he looks like he's uh, in a way I don't think you should be play fighting like that anyway they were play fighting a little rough honestly I think that's like I think anybody who sees that regardless of race he was like damn near like you know putting on the on the car like putting his fist up in the air and saying I'm going to kill you I laughed so hard at that scene because they were doing that like all this racist shit hasn't happened during the movie like legit as they were play fighting I just spoke to the TV I was just like now, why the fuck do you think this was a good idea? Right, like, like that, that wasn't a good idea in general. I don't think I would ever put my girlfriend or whatever, my wife, or put the hood of a car like, and, and say I'll kill you and play choke you. That that would have any kind. It, it makes it worse though because you're interracial. I, I get where they're going at with this, but he, it's a scary moment because mm-hmm. I mean that's a whole other thing to talk about. We can go all day about it, but maybe not even here today. But like. The black community, as it comes to the police, is already messed up, and I don't need to go into too deep about that. That's just a common thing that you see, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, but it's even worse in the context of interracial relations and things like this because you know they don't normally see that happening. The cops overassume that it's a black man trying to harass a white woman. Yep, yeah, and white women have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was trying to interrupt you. I was just saying, like, yeah, like. Like you were saying, like they had him up against the wall and had like the gun pressed against the side of his head, like they were ready They're to ready kill to him. Blast him. Mm-hmm. And, and to the point where he was so scared that even when Angie's like, "Oh, he's my boyfriend. Stop it. We're lovers." He's like, "Shut up. She doesn't know what she's talking about." Da da da. And then once the cops leave, why would you say you were lovers? You could have got me killed. And to me, that was the moment where Flip really realized. I mean, he even said it himself. He he sits against the wall. And he's like, "The hell am I even doing here?" Yep. And he begins to realize. That at the end of the day, they just lived like they lived in this fantasy. They wanted, you know, their race not to matter and just there to be lust, not even love. But I think That's having it. that pretty much that sober reality of, again, being reminded of his station and what he is, he kind of just woke up. of just like, what what am I doing? I have a wife. I have a child. And that should be the only thing that matters. But this, again, in the film, we talked about it over mm-hmm. and over here. It's just like, but that's, it's driving home another point of, like you're saying, the, he's, he's starting to sober up, but he's sobering up about like, you know, you're black, you know, mm-hmm. you should, you know, but not so much about, I guess he does sober to the fact that, yes, I'm cheating on my wife, which should be the most important product we always talk about here. But that's just not. Yeah. Again, something that is because the next scene where they're laying in bed, he's like, "Man, I got to go and see my daughter." And and I wanted to talk too, like especially mm-hmm. with this thing with racism and that happens with the cops. She's like going belligerent. She's doing this whole mm-hmm. thing, and I feel like a lot of times when, especially when I was dating my ex at the time, you're with a person who doesn't understand your plight. Yeah, they don't understand your plight. They don't understand your struggle. They do not understand you being your minority understanding of what's going on here. And they they have the luxury of not understanding what's going on there. They don't really have to understand what's going on there. But I think Mm -hmm. if they have any type of degree of wanting to be in a permanent relationship with you, they should take the time to understand at least the bare minimum of what they can understand. Just out of respect. Just out of respect of the experience. And I feel like that was kind of could have gotten killed too, you know, her mm-hmm. being so belligerent yeah. and things like this, but she was so, but she's rightfully mad and angry and they can get away with those types of things because they don't really have to think about being killed and how people kind of just walk past that whole thing. Like, Oh, another black man killed. If I were mm-hmm. to get, if I were to down the news right t- today and someone gunned me down, like a, a, a white officer, it's an officer in general. Hell, 
it, people would just walk past that. Like it's not yeah. a big deal. Yep. It's just everyday occurrence. I don't care about, you know, how educated I was, what I what I accomplished, who I was, my friends, my family. I'm just a like, news report. I'm a, I'm a you're another statistic. I'm another statistic. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like people or just white or just other minorities in general, not to say other minorities don't deal with this at all, but especially within our I can only speak in the black lens. Yep. That is the plight here. And as a white person, it's impossible for you to know, no matter how you are trying to be a ally, no matter how much time mm-hmm. you try to do that, you will never quite get it. And it's good to just say, I don't get it and just try your best to listen. That's the only thing you can do. But I've had a lot of conversations and I think there's another seen this movie before we get back to the, to the tail end of this film, because he does have that moment of realization flip mm-hmm. with Angie on the bed, talking about the relationship, uh, talking about children and talking mm-hmm. about trying to build. It's, 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 it's sickening because I have this conversation with my ex, too. And we talked about having kids and things like this. We talked about building the story, this whole uh you know, our world together. Of course. And that's the normal thing you talk about when you're dating for a few years there is try- I, I was almost going to marry her for real too. So it's like, I was really set on for real building this whole thing up. We had like a really interesting conversation about uh, having an interracial child and mm-hmm. the struggles behind that. And I wanted to take it very seriously. And there's a scene here where Angie does bring up about having children with Flip and how he's scared of having an interracial kid and he's scared of what that reality is. He says mixed kids just come out weird, he said, mm-hmm. or they come out a different type of way and it's hard for them to make sense of who they are. Yeah, it was like mixed and the kids world. come out mixed up. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy that's a bar, but like... Mixed kids come out mixed up. <laughs> Got this money up. Oh, uh, no, it's kind of... <laughs> Oh man, that's a crazy bar. <laughs> mixed kids come out mixed up. Uh, but basically, um, I had this conversation with my ex. Like, hey, like there is a struggle here. Of you're gonna have a black kid in your hands. It's not a white kid. It's a black kid. Like you have to understand that you. There's a different world out here when you when comes out of you is a black you're white and you have to realize the reality of this black kid and it's kind of you will never quite understand it this is changing your world now exactly completely and you and that's i think it's the closest that a a white person can ever come to to understanding the black struggle is when or any type of minority struggle in general is having a child and producing that child and having and seeing it from their eyes the experience that they experienced through because it's your beating heart people say when they have children it's like your heart rocking around yeah that's under the skin and under the 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 demise of a black experience at least in this context of this film and you have to see it from as a white person and i had questions a lot like for my ex like how would your dad feel having a black grandchild how would your mom i mean her mother was down i guess she was always like showing photos and stuff of interracial kids <laughs> you know and i'd rather have someone on my side versus yeah, no, someone who's not on my side about the whole thing especially you know you want your your partner's parents to be with you but you know i was so curious about like what do they really think and feel like what is that going to happen and they have to carry themselves differently it's a whole different mindset mm-hmm. you know there is an inherent mental lock when you date another person or another person of the same race as you you don't have to explain it they just get it yeah no one asks questions about it 
But it made me feel like, you know, what if I have a kid, too, that looks nothing like me? That's mm. white all the way. I got a white, like, looking, you know, like, or perceived white or passing white mixed kid. Yeah. So that happens, go too. for you when you're walking around with your child. Yeah. Exactly. And then, like, what people think about me, do they think I'm stealing the kid? Do they think I'm doing it? It's like a lot of thought processes mm. and struggles that happens with these types of thought processes that I don't feel like people really think about when they're, and I don't think they should have to think about, yeah, really. because this should be beautiful. It really, should be beautiful yeah. when people of two different races or two different cultures can meld because at the end of the day, there's more knowledge that way because the, in my mind, when people of different races or different cultures come together and have a child, to me, that child is a hybrid. Like that child has the experiences of one culture and one religion and a whole other. And to me, that that just makes for just a more interesting human at the end of the day. Because that's yeah. someone who just based off of their experiences, they're going to be more well-versed and well-traveled in a lot of things. And that's somebody who I feel like ultimately when you take your children, you even if they're the same race or whatever, when you take your children and you make them more worldly, you turn them into better functioning adults, in my opinion. So I, I think it, I think it should be beautiful when should different be cultures know. Yeah. It should be. But that's the struggles. And I had those same type of fears too, thinking mm-hmm. about having an interracial kid. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thought, really. It is, you know, because you will come to an idea. I think Dr. Umar talks about this, and I hate mm-hmm. that nigga. Uh, <laughs> I love speaking some of the things he racism, says. Yeah. I don't speak to racism. <laughs> Me, no, I don't know. But in all seriousness, though, yeah. this dude, he does talk about things like he's so against interracial relationships. He's so against these types of thought processes. And he also he says this thing, and I think about it, and I hate saying that I do. He says, why would you want to be with a person and reproduce what a person Person who enslaved your ancestors or who did this thing to you. And it made me go, okay, I get it. I hear you, but it's not, it, I want to think it's not that deep, but in some ways it's like, it kind of is. In my mind, it's it. not just because I wasn't a slave and that person wasn't a slave master. Exactly. So yes, that race may have enslaved my race, but me dating this white woman, that doesn't have shit to do with either of us. <laughs> I was I was never in chains. Like, and she never with me. So I get the notion. But it's yeah. like, damn, if you're going all the way back to slavery to justify not doing some shit now, at that point, am I at my in my mind, at that point, you're grasping at straws. Because there's way too many current examples. So this movie is more of a current example than slavery or why you shouldn't exactly. have interracial relationships. So for you to reach back that far and you're tricked back to find something in my mind, you're grasping at straws. And and I get the and I say he says this too. He says you're diluting the black uh oh, skin. Oh god, that's just, kinda, if you were to flip the races over, that is yeah. very much racist because a lot they're of white people same say shit. the same thing. Hitler said the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's it's inherent racism. Bro, one of the Aryan master race, and you're talking about diluting black people. It's, it's almost in the same camp, Doc. And, you know, and the last thing I want to say before, and this is kind of like getting near the end of the film here. Yes. Uh, Angie's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend, her white ex-boyfriend at this time, he falls head over heels with a black woman. White Italian ex-boyfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he falls head over heels. I feel like this movie is showing the unhealthy version of an interracial relationship mm-hmm. versus... Just I like to think just a relationship of per, a person making a decision for themselves because he's like in the subplot of him trying to make a choice for himself. The first choice he can make. That's just a him thing. And it's almost like we're seeing it. The, the, the argument from a person who just wants to be individual versus a person who just wants to do it for the community. And there is an argument for both sides of like you can just if you really want to build the black community, 
You want to build the black family. You can tell the strength of a nation by its family. You can tell the yeah. strength of a community by their families. We we have to understand too, as black people, that we we tend to be so separated and so against each other because our structure is so messed up. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a single mother. I didn't have a dad around. I didn't have a it's a stereotypical type of bring up for a black man. Mm-hmm. But if I wanted to, and I could, I guess, at some point, and maybe I will, maybe I'll just happen to be to have this to, to build it, but with, with a black woman, I would be able to build that community and have that strong basis and hope, you know, have that strong marriage and those things we see in the beginning of this film. Mm-hmm. And I can incorporate and help the community. Or I could be an individual, which I, I want to be that individual, but I can't help but shake the fact that yes, maybe dating something up someone outside my race isn't helping the overall community in itself, right? But do I owe it anything? Do we owe it to this community for this type of way? But I, I see this character making this individual decision to just be happy for himself and making that choice to date a black woman despite the struggles. He got jumped for dating a black woman. They yeah. were asking him, oh, you think you're better than us? So you do. He, he got jumped to, on the way on a date to a black woman. And he, he was I feel like this character is encompassing that he was willing to take the strides and to take the the, mm-hmm. the willingness to to choose for himself what makes him happy. And that should just be it. And I feel like that's the healthiest depiction I've seen of just a relationship rather than just being an interracial one. And I completely agree with you because I really liked his character in this movie because even before he, um, a little bit of subplot for him, even before he went to see the black woman, him and his dad have a very tumultuous relationship. The mother passed away however many years ago, but the dad still holds a candle for her and... He, in so many words, after the wife died, he wanted the son to replace her. He wanted to scrub his back, you know, how many things did you sell today? He pretty much wanted a wife and a son. Kind of like what people say now, how what how they say like some single moms will want um husband sons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he, yeah. Well, the single dad wanted a wife son. Yep. And it was so dope because even before he wanted to date, he finally had that outburst with his dad. He's like, I'm not gonna scrub your back anymore. I'm not gonna tell you how much I made, how much I sold or whatever, because God damn it, I'm not my mom and you want me to be my mother. And I genuinely feel like him and the girl that he was into was not only a complete juxtaposition, but like you said, a healthy version of Wesley Snipes and Angie because their entire relationship was just based off of lust and, hey, we shouldn't be doing it, but let's do it. But you kind of see even subtly over the course of the movie, him even talking to this black woman, that was someone who just came in the store. Every so often, they would converse, hey, how are you doing? Nah, 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 nah. You want the usual? So I feel like with the Wesley Snipes and Angie thing, that was just lust. Hey, let's see what we can do. But on the other end, these are two people who genuinely have feelings for each other. We just so happen to be different races. And that should be the how it should go. There's a healthy depiction and a very unhealthy depiction. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was a mistake that he added in this other side to it yeah there's like the end of the tunnel yeah right it's this whole other flip side of how it should go and i i feel like that's kind of where this movie ends up leading is and i feel like the the grand thesis of this film where he's trying to talk about as it pertains to interracial relationships there is something to be said that yes it does deviate and take away from the black family and i think he's trying to make it literal by it being a cheating relationship Mm -hmm. i don't think that was a mistake because he could have just made this organic and could have played it straight. This is a single guy with the inner. But I feel like he's trying to depict that, yes, 
it does take away and deviate from the structure of the black family. How could it not? Right. Mm -hmm. But we don't necessarily owe anything to the black family. We should look into doing those things. We should be a stronger uh, uh, community this way, but it starts with the family. It starts with this type of family structure, but at the same time, we are individuals to make our own decisions. Because as a whole, you know, you don't owe the black community or any community, anything, but especially speaking for black people, Especially when it's like you said, we're being heralded and we're supposed to uphold this image of a black family. What image of a black family? Yeah. You know, those things where, yeah, you don't owe your community shit anyways, but especially when it hasn't given you the best examples to look out for. No. At that point, I'm paying. At that point, I'm just investing in a bad property. Yeah, it's. I get it. Like, I get that I don't. No one owes a community anything. We mm -hmm. don't owe it nothing. Right. But if you like I was saying earlier, if you find it to be so important to invest into this whole thing intentionally, right. then go for it. Right. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a beauty. I think marriage is a beautiful thing. I think it's a great thing. I think building a family is a great thing. I think that's all a great thing. But I don't think that you have to be so intentional to try to to do something to owe it to a community that in some ways hasn't really served us. Right. Mm -hmm. But also it's cyclical because we didn't really, no one's really taking the responsibility to serve back to it. Right. Because a lot of people feel like we, listen, I hate saying it, but there is an inherent rejection as a community as a whole, as it pertains to itself. And a lot of people who get spit out, they don't want to go back in. And once they like rappers look at it, for example, they don't go back to the communities. So most of the time they go and they the live in places. They yeah. want nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people give back love to it. Some people want to go back and build it back. But it does take a bigger person to go into a place that spit them out and try to at least uh, try to make it better. Right. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens, at least in my case, I can speak for myself. I didn't have my dad. I feel the personal responsibility to be a better father and to be a more uh, provider and a better person than my dad was. So I can build up. And to have a healthiness to come back into the my line of family. So the next time around, I'm a healthier fit and I may have not gotten it. And it's probably unfair when I look at my child that they're going to have a better dad. Hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm a mess. I get it. I'm working on it. But I, I like to think that I'll be a better dad than my I will be present and not just to be just present. That's it. But to actually be a actual beacon of what I need to do to help out and to be that, that, that other, you know, station there, especially for the black community. Cause we do need strong black fathers in our community. And we do need this type of thing, but of it doesn't mean that we inherently owe it to just being with a particular race of person. And I feel like that's the stick of what I, what I wanted to say here is just, there's that, that, yeah, that whole no. thing, you know, cause at the end of the day for me, like I said, Especially, I mean, in terms of children, and we can put it in this context, you don't want to use your community, but you're everything to your child. And I do believe, even with the black community, any community, in whatever capacity you're able to do it, you should leave it better than what you than how you found it. Yep. Because, like with me, we've had these conversations before many times. I'm the B side of it. My dad was around, but I didn't really have that emotional support from him. I didn't really have that understanding from him. So, from my side of it, when I eventually start my own family, I not only want to provide like he did, but I also want to be that emotion. Like I want my son or daughter, whatever, to feel like they can talk to me about anything up under the sun. Cause I never had that with my dad. I felt like I had to, I had to either not say anything or say things that he wanted me to say. So I, it, it is, I understand what you're saying because to me, it is so important. I mean, not only my child, but anybody around me because of how I grew up, it is freedom is a very important thing to me. 
So I understand because like you said, when you lack something as a child, especially when it's, it's supposed to be provided to you by a parental figure, all that makes you think about is, man, when it's my turn on the chair, it's not going to go like this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that's, that's kind of like the, the whole cusp of this whole thing is that you don't owe it, but maybe you, maybe you should go in if you can, if it happens to be something that aligns with the path here. You know, it's a good thing. Be present. Get in there because we do need it, especially, you know, as it pertains to the black community itself. We do need this. And this is something that is needed for us. And just in a general sense, like what Ron was saying, it doesn't have to be just a black or a white or whatever thing. It's just in a general sense to be there, to be to just be good, decent people. Exactly. And do what's right. Right. We need more people to do that. But especially I can say in the context of this month and everything, the black community itself, we need it. So I know there's a subplot here too that we haven't really touched on with Gator, who is the f- brother of Flip, who yeah. is a crack addict. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. See, that's what's funny about Gator, because like I said, we're gonna like we're gonna be getting back to him later on. Now we're in the later on. Gator's brother, Flip's older brother, is the direct antithesis of him. Everything Flip is, he isn't. Flip has money, he doesn't. Flip isn't hooked on drugs, he is. Flip has a good hell on his shoulders. He doesn't. So it's one of those things where I really like that aspect of the movie, too, because you get to learn more about Flip's personal life. Outside of his brother, he has the mom who's always giving the brother money, doesn't even want to hear that's a crackhead because, hey, that's your brother. Don't talk about him like that. And then you have the father who is very rigid and stern and stuck in his ways. And to me, at least my own personal experience, I feel like that kind of speaks to the allegory of a black family, like even when the father is around, usually, not I don't want to say usually, but in a lot of cases, the father is a very stern parental figure, exactly. my way or the highway, but the exactly. parent is one that's nicer and easier on you and actually sees you as a person, you know? It's one of those things where it was such a crazy dichotomy because you had the mom who was doing nothing but enabling the brother, then you had the dad who just, just pretty much abandoned him. And you you see that. And you can pretty much look at that and go, neither person here is right. It's not good to enable people who have problems, but it's also not good to completely turn them away, especially when they're your own flesh and blood, your own child. But it's one of those things where I really wanted to bring Gator up just because I have a personal experience with the scene in this movie. There's a part where Gator comes, I was going to say for a reason, but the reason is crack. Gator comes and just takes his mom's fucking TV and leaves, right? So she calls Wesley Snipes to go and get it back. Charlie Murphy's in his movie. Shout out to Charlie Murphy. He was the guy that uh, Wesley Snipes went to to get the information. But to make a long story short, Wesley Snipes' character, Flip, has to literally walk inside of a crack house to find his brother and find his TV. And to me, that is such a poignant thing about the black community at that time because I know a few people had to actually do that back in the day. They had to go into those dens and find their sisters or brothers or family members. And I genuinely can't imagine how soul crushing that must have been Mm -hmm. to see someone who you love. They're not themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. You're coming where there's people getting sucked and fucked and doing pills and heroin and shit. And you got to try to get this person out of it. And they want to be there, you know, like I, I personally can't imagine what that must be like. And what I liked about the character of Gator is Gator speaks to 
in my mind, he speaks to a lot of stereotypes that other races might have about black people, especially at that time. He speaks to the black man who doesn't do enough, mm. you know, because in my mind, this movie needed a B side because you had Wesley Snipes who did everything right to a certain extent. You had his brother do everything wrong, but not to I cut feel you like, off. I'm yeah, gonna say uh, you're saying these are two different sides. I like to think I I, I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes is the the stereotypical. I like to think successful Ooh, black. That's man. a good take. So they're both stereotypes. Though. They're both kind because of, it is a stereotype. You see Tiger Woods, he becomes the most successful golfing guy ever, and he and, right. and people go, of course he gets with a white girl, right? You're right you're of right. course. And you see uh, a black man who's struggling and he's doing this, and it's like, oh, it's assumed that he's you know this mm-hmm. way or you're bust you're bust down, broken down. So not to cut you off, but yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, it, it was a great uh, interjection because I mean, you're right. I just personally feel like for Gator's character, he also just represents, how's I going to word this? He also represents something that I feel like Flip in my own head, a part of him is jealous of his brother because at the end of the day, his brother might be a crackhead and got to do a little Gator dance to get money from his mom. But at the end of the day, he does have freedom. Yeah, I mean, his options are great, but he can be whatever he wants to. He can do all the things that his brother can't. I also think Gator, like I said earlier, just really speaks to what was really common at that time, and that's having the strung-out family member, you know, having the cousin or the auntie, or in this case, the the sibling who's messed up on drugs, and you got to watch the mom and the parents go through that and try to fund it and get help, and it's a really messed up scene because throughout the course of the movie, Gator, of course, he comes to the house, he dances for money. But the last time he's there, when his mother finally puts the brakes on and says, I'm not paying you, he drops the facade. It's somebody with a problem. And in his final moments before his dad does eventually come home and fucking kill him and shoot him, he breaks down. He's like, no, I smoked the TV. I'm on crack. I need drugs. Even to the point where he goes in her purse. Oh, all you got is 40 funky ass dollars. And to me, that scene is so real. Cause me personally, I've seen so many people, especially in the black community deal with addiction, see families fall apart. And it's just terrible. Cause at that time you also had the crack epidemic going on too. Like he was a crackhead. So yeah. it's just one of those things where it's really messed up, but I'm glad Spike Lee put it in the movie because there's something to be said about the one child who's doing everything right and the kid who's fucking up and gets pushed off to the side and treated like they don't exist, you know? And the other thing that I wanted to say was the song that was playing when he was going through the crack then, um, just, was it Living for the City? or just yeah, the, the city? Stevie Wonder song. The Stevie wow. Wonder song. Yeah. I love it because even that was poignant because if you all didn't know, that song is about a guy who moves to the big city but he still has to deal with all the troubles and problems that pretty much follows him from down south and he has to deal with the troubles of, you know, not having enough money, having kids to feed and things like that. So having a song about responsibility playing as he's walking through a crack house to find his brother, to me, that was amazing. It's a great that was scene. Amazing. There's a lot of, uh, and I don't think we give Spike Lee enough credit. There's a lot of interesting choices he makes in his filmmaking. Mm-hmm. The walking scenes are interesting. There's like a, it's like a weird dolly shot where they're like almost drifting but you hear like them walking you yeah. know but they're yeah, yeah. just it's like they're floating like no, no, like I don't talk about when we were talking to Cyrus right? yeah yeah, yeah Cyrus was- and Flip they're talking and it's also done with Angie and um her uh, ex or boyfriend yeah, yeah, yeah. times too but he makes a lot of interesting choices with music 
filmography. I mean, he's an excellent filmmaker in his own right, regardless of the material that he wants to talk about or, or do things about. He's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I want to touch on this too. Like, uh, there's a, you were talking about the parental figures and how they were different and how they were different about how they handled with Gator. And that is played by the great Samuel Jackson. And that is <laughs> some, it's funny, but it's not like the, the scene where he goes, I got to dance for you, daddy is hilarious. And he's like, <laughs> man, dog, crack Lord base window himself. Shit was crazy. <laughs> he shimmied his way to a gunshot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he literally hit a ditty and then got shot, bro. That was crazy. Like bro did a whole four day emo, then got capped. Like that's kind of like and you're talking about how the, there's a the, when the, when the black the, when when you have the parental figure that does stick around in the black community or like in a general sense they are like a, like a, a, an authoritarian, mm-hmm. and and I feel like it comes from a sense of pride and ego and a bunch of other things. It's not coming from a sense of of actually being respected. It's a fear aspect. And it's a fear of not being respected. Exactly. And I think there's an interesting scene here, too, that we do see Flip's father, and they call him the Reverend, and he's like mm-hmm. supposed to be called the great Reverend. Grand Pastor Reverend, all that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I feel like he's also kind of showing a bit of the hypocrisy that comes into religion, or at least that type of, of, of Baptist faith when it comes to, and that's another thing that happens in the Black community, too. There's a lot of hypocrisy that comes in as well. Because um, he's. He he got kicked out of his own congregation yep, he did. because of his ego and his pride. I think it's we don't know why he got kicked out. I don't think the movie goes into the reason why he get he got kicked out. But flip at the table when they're there when he brings Angie over, that's his mm-hmm. own type of racism in itself, talking about how he's looking down upon him. And it's also looking down upon him for again the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. You have proclivities and that's really bad that you don't look after your wife and your kid because you you have all this stuff going on. But also, yeah, you're white. Yeah, yeah everyone does it. And the pivot was so crazy because he was just giving me like biblical references. And then, like you said, just, just hard pivoting to, but you're also white too. And that's really the main yeah, issue. And, like, you know, talking about the how the slave woman love mm-hmm. being white or the no the slave master's wife loved just being white and yep. she loved doing this whole thing and putting her step it is a power dynamic that is insane uh that you can read up on on this type of thing about you know white men and how they're in a station of power and how the white woman loved being white but she mm-hmm. was curious about black men and uh, and talking about how that could be a, a way to look at it because uh, he does, the Reverend does talk about this, but he's another character talking about this movie. I don't think it's a mistake that he brings up biblical references and stuff, but also in himself, he's kind of a hypocrite, right? Right. Uh, about certain things. I feel like Flip hits on the head about people making certain decisions that lead them in certain ways. And, you know, ye who was without sin cast the first stone, talking mm-hmm. about how, yeah, you know, talk all you want about my sins and what I've done wrong, but you yourself are not so hot yourself. And, the judgmental aspect that comes in behind that. And I feel that you, you know, he carries himself in such like, I talked about an authoritarian type of way. Mm-hmm. He's holier than thou. He's be- like, I don't know, kind of carries himself like he's righteous. Yeah, and a, his own right. God soldier type. Right. And that's why he kills his own son. And I don't know, that's some more ambiguity too. That maybe that was the best thing for him. Cause he was going down that road. But also, it's kind of wild to shoot your own son and be kind of okay with it. Like, yeah, because did he shoot him, sit down, and then quote a Bible scripture? He did. He totally did. And I wish I caught reference of what he, uh, I think he said, though I walked through the, sh- the, 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 the valley of shadow of death. 
he shoots him and he goes, I will fear no evil. And he, mm-hmm. I forget the exact, I feel like a fraud right now. I forget the exact Yeah, because it was, it was something where he was like, oh, but where will I go now? Or it, it was something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and it's like a really shocking scene in this film. And it almost feels kind of almost out of place, like kind of randomly in this It was film. crazy, yeah. But that, there is a something to be told about his his biblical references that he puts in this film and and how uh really how right-leaning most black people are in general speaking and how i mean i grew up in a christian household and i'm mm-hmm. sure that most other black families also did too in some ways regardless of where you fall on the fence i'm sure you had you went to church and things like this and you do realize there is some hypocrisy and there is some type of over righteousness and religious type of tendencies that you see that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like this character was to illustrate these types of things. And also, like you were mentioning, the man that does stay tends to be kind of garbage too. Yeah, All right. You know, like he's not a great father in himself and he had his own issues and there's a lot of anger that Flip has to his dad as well. And he's sick of it. Uh, hearing his religious uh, uh, statements. That's not backed by any type of merit. From himself, yeah, you know, it's one thing to be a believer, but it's another thing to walk it out, right? You know, uh, so you got to walk the walk and talk the talk of what you usually stand for. Um, but at the same time, Gator, as a crackhead mm-hmm. and as a character himself, was going down this dark road too, and being and he, he was being harassed, harassing his parents. I, I don't really see another conclusion besides jail or death, really. Yeah, no, literally, uh, but it's just really messed up that it had to be your dad that takes you out of the game, but. At least I'm assuming, I don't know. I'm assuming that's their dad, I'm assuming so, or a father figure type or a stepdad type of person um, in this film. So that is interesting. It's it's a shocking, shocking thing to put in the middle of a film about interracial relationships. It comes, it almost yeah. has nothing to do with it, but it's almost his own thought thesis about this whole thing as well as it pertains to this whole thing because there is religious backbone to this film. Um, I think that's purposeful. Like I said, that you see this often with this character. Mm. So that is very interesting. But overall, very dense podcast episode Very this week. dense film, dense and podcast, yes. dense thoughts. But I wanted to leave people with just these thinking points here. I would love for people to take this, take this film, take everything about it, rethink your preferences and understand that maybe, you know, just (laughs) if you think about it, people are just people, right? Regardless of race, regardless where they come from, people are people. And maybe your preferences are holding you back or maybe your own community is holding you back from a good chance of finding a person that's right for you or making your own decisions in general sense, you know, read that comic book, mm-hmm. do what you want to do, be nerdy, speak like you got some dang on sense. You don't have to sound white. You don't have to sound black or whatever you, whatever you talk like is what you talk like. You don't have to be shaped or molded or have to be a certain way to be an individual in, in America here. But at the same time, I get that we are black. We do have our experiences here and you are who you are, listener of whatever you stand on, whatever you are. Yeah. But I'm sure as a community, you have things that shaped or mold you in certain ways that you kind of maybe accepted to or maybe you're not a fan of. But you shouldn't have to feel the need to be something that you don't identify with. No, absolutely. I feel the same way. Be an individual. And I mean, if I believe you're able to quote, just something really simple. I mean, at the end of the day, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Better to be your own person at the end of the day than like this movie, you know, being who people wanted you to be or 
fall into those norms. At the end of the day, it's your life. You have to live for yourself and not others. So stand for something and you fall for anything. And I think we all need to look back at our pain, look at our, our rejection mm-hmm. um, and heal from it as individuals. And before it turns into infestors into hatred, um, because that pain of rejection does lead to despicable acts and despicable things that you do that, that, that people of all races do to each other and judgment um, from people just being happy. So I feel like that needs to stop and needs to be thought of. And maybe, you know, we, even myself could look inward and see like, maybe I have my own thought process. I never really thought of that is unhealthy. And maybe I need to, you know, heal myself as well. But I think we all could learn. From, yeah, I believe we all do. Yeah. I believe um, for sure. I think this is why I stick to as in my faith and the thing that makes sense to me. And I feel like the thing that makes the most sense is the world's not going to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. And it never will. There will never truly be like a world peace on earth ever. Yes. Because fantasy. everyone's going to disagree on whatever they want to disagree with. But I feel like when it comes to at least this topic as it stands with interracial relationships and, you know, choosing the person you want to be with, it says what God has brought together, let no man separate. And I think this to mean to me that it, it doesn't matter with race, doesn't matter what's going on. If two people want to decide to be together, let no person separate that. Let no person get in the way of this whole thing. This union is whatever that is that you have chosen to be with. And if your values align, if your guys are good and healthy for each other and you guys treat each other correctly, what's the problem? Nothing wrong with agree. it. I completely agree. Thanks for joining us with the Zoomcast podcast. And if you want to find us anywhere, the Zoomcast podcast, we are on Google Play, Spotify, Deezer, iHeartRadio, and our YouTube is coming soon. We're also on RSS. You can find us everywhere. We are on most major podcasting networks here. You can listen to whatever flavors works best for you. We thank you so much for joining us today. And we are hoping to move into our next phase here. Our next couple episodes here, we'll be talking more about uh, the black community as a whole, talking more about issues and things that, you know, relates to us. So I hope you join us next week for getting into another topic here. So thanks so much for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us and join us next week and for this entire month for thought provoking conversations and things that honestly I think people should be talking about. Honestly. So we'll get there. And you know, next week talk about Shaq shoes. I'm kidding. <laughs> Shaq attack. Look. <laughs> talking about them dusty boys we wearing over there. No, I was kidding. <laughs> In the heels that I never fucking got. Like. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you all take it easy. Thank you for listening.